What's up, Dunwoody? Uh, unless you've been under a rock for the last few months, you've probably heard about the elevated toll lanes that they are planning for the top end of 285. These lanes will run parallel with the perimeter and is an attempt to get cars off of 285 by running two to four separate lanes from 85 to 400 and from 75 to 400. This will no doubt improve traffic when completed, but the impact on Dunwoody could be quite severe. There's a big question of where the access points will be. Um, there's got to be a way to get to those roads. And so North Shalliford or maybe closer to the mall, there's, there's going to be a way to get to those roads. Also, how many lanes will be added? We've heard that there's going to be two in the past, but the plans could call for two separate two-lane roads. The commissioner didn't talk about that option on the recording, but um, they're so early in the process that could end up happening, and it's just too early to tell. But two or four lanes, that's going to butt up to a lot of homes. There were stories written just this week by the reporter about GDOT having to buy up 20 homes in Sandy Springs. People in Georgetown area have good reason to be worried, and they won't get answers for a while, which is scary. Uh, Justin lives in that neighborhood, and they are anxious to hear what will happen with the Georgetown Rec Club, which is uh, right on the edge of 285. Our state house representative, Mike Walensky, has been in contact with GDOT Commissioner Russell McMurray about how he can help with the process while protecting and informing Dunwoody. So he brought us to the state capitol to record part of the conversation. Uh, McMurray was very easy to talk to and unbelievably knowledgeable. We tried to keep it Dunwoody-related, but uh, had a bunch of questions and comments from Facebook, but quickly realized that the conversation could be much larger than that. We understand most of Dunwoody hates this GDOT work, um, Many people close to 285 are terrified about losing their home. A lot of you believe that um, roads are not the answer. I think we all believe that there has to be a blend of both roads and alternative transportation. He does dug, dig into light rail a little bit and the options for 400. But yeah, this construction is happening whether we like it or not. And Commissioner McMurray is the man in charge. And for some reason, he sat down with us. If you're new to the show, this is the best way to keep up with what's up in Dunwoody without having to go to boring meetings at City Hall. It is the best way to learn about local businesses around town, and it is the best way to get to know your next real estate agent. That's me. My name is Matt Weber. If you drive with the show, we'd probably work well together, and if you've listened for a while, you know about my marketing superpowers that I use to get buyers in your home right when it hits the market. And if you didn't already know about my marketing superpowers, make sure you hit that subscribe button and I'll tell you about it again next week. My co-host's name is Justin Dyke. He is my brother-in-law and I think we have a good rapport. I think we, I mean, we know each other real well and I think that's what makes the show the show. Justin does computer software stuff and is creator of PoolDues.com, which specializes in back-end billing software for your neighborhood pool. We've also teamed up with Village Orthodontics, or Village Ortho is what all the cool kids say. Village Ortho is changing smiles and changing lives. That's one hell of a tagline, Brett. Um, A-plus branding. Because changing your smile will change your confidence and the way you feel. Brett Friedman and Village Orthodontics are literally changing lives. Here's the first part of our talk with GDOT Commissioner Russell McMurray. What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. While Mike is still eating, I want to thank Representative Michael Walensky for setting up this meeting with GDOT Commissioner, Commissioner Russell McMurray. Good to have you on the air here. Glad to be with we you. We are actually recording from uh, the broom closet that they gave you down here at... Uh, yeah, we're next door to the Georgia State Capitol. I'm eating right now, I apologize. Uh, on the run, but in building the CLOB building, and we're in my office, and it's it's, 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 our, it's efficient. Yeah, I've never seen so many mops in one room before. This is amazing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, the 285 top end project, 
And uh, Matt, do you want to lead off with some of the, the best responses that uh, Facebook has for us about this? Yeah, well, the Dunwoody Homeowners Association meeting, there was a lot of angry folks. Um, there's a lot of level-headed folks, but there are a lot of angry folks. And so I thought I'd read some of the uh, comments from the, the meeting. Can you handle these? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and public, public input is vital. I mean, that is, is fundamental and vital that we understand what those concerns are and try to wrap those concerns into how we respond and what we have to do. Okay. Um, Kim H. says, can they guarantee that lanes will not go over the schools? We will not put lanes over the schools. Okay, I see that one. Check that off the list. Ernesto K. says, how about we limit tractor trailers to one to two lanes only? And I think that's actually a pretty good idea. Something we certainly contemplated, uh, but as 285 is to truck bypass, and not sure that there's adequate capacity in just one or two lanes. Uh, but one of those things we continue to think about is, should those tractor trailers be on the inside lanes or the outside lanes? And where we limit those, uh, because that's one of those things we just haven't been able to uh, technically determine what's best but if you put them in the inside then you don't have the entering and exit traffic often uh, that causes a lot of turbulence if you will or congestion but if you put them in the outside lanes they move slower then it's hard for people to get over to the ramps to get in and out as well so it's 285 is the, is the truck bypass so uh, you know there's a lot of tractor trailer traffic on there and mostly two, 285 is over 200,000 vehicles per day which is hard to think about. Uh, wow. So there's a lot of traffic on uh, 285. If you, if you, I gotta, bring, I gotta bring it up. If you had to get on a CB radio right now, could you talk to talk? I don't know that I could talk to talk <laughs> with a trucker up. I don't. But, uh, but the, you know, the the freight and trucks will continue to grow, and that's that's one things that's a challenge that people have is they think about what they know today as status quo, and this and, and it's not equilibrium. Traffic continues to grow. Uh, traffic growth is outpacing uh, what it did before the economic downturn in 07. We're at an all-time high of traffic traffic growth in the nation and traffic, and freight continues to grow exponentially. On 400, we expect freight traffic to double over the next 20 years, and it's because of hey, it's our what, how we do. We we stay at home, we order online, we expect to have something in two days or less on our front doorstep, and so that means freight's happening and it's continuing to grow in Metro Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Well, do you feel like deaths are, are increasing too, or are people getting safer out there? So uh, generally, we're seeing a trend down in fatalities, which is important. And first and foremost, everything we do, every project we do, first and foremost, has a safety element in it. And we always look for that safety uh, benefit. Uh, what we think happens in the future with continued freight growth is we want to make sure that those numbers continue to trend down. Uh, not anywhere around here, but we actually contemplate from uh, Macon up to Atlanta on I-75 to build some dedicated lanes for trucks only to keep the trucks and the car separated as the freight traffic down there gets up to about 40%. So 4 in 10 vehicles are a tractor trailer. So that's not fun to drive in for sure. And especially with the Savannah port growth, we're going to see a lot more of it. Absolutely. To continue with the Savannah, especially for the port growth in Savannah. Matt didn't even know about those uh, electronic billboards that show you the running total for, for the current yeah, year. I've seen one of those. The death toll? I always get excited when it rolls back at the beginning of the new year when you're like, second yeah. week of January, you're like, wow, only 20 people have died so far. That's it's, great. It, it's the worst part of my job is the first thing, first email I open every morning is the, the fatality report from the day before. Do you and get to increase that, that number? You know, I, do, I don't get to run the number. No, they won't let me near the, uh, the keyboard that controls <laughs> the signs, uh, regrettably. But 
Uh, the other thing about way off subject from where we are, but fatalities, what we're seeing is about 60% of the fatalities in Georgia, people are not wearing their seatbelts, which is really? How is that still a problem? I know. That's what we say. Is Uneducated why, why, people. Why don't we know, you know, why don't people know to buckle their seatbelts? And about 40% of fatalities, two are single vehicle. People running off the road and doing something, whatever's causing them to run off the road. Late night wrecks, And, and uh, it's a lot of it is uh, wee hours, but uh, a lot of it's distraction. But we are seeing uh, improvement due to the recent legislation of hands-free. Uh, and certainly seeing a lot less crashes or people just running into each other, rear-enders. And sort of neat to see in, the, in the, our data that we get from traffic signals and watching traffic move through traffic signals is people are paying attention so you, you know how it was when you said a traffic signal somebody's texting and they got their head down and the traffic signals turn green mm-hmm. and they're not going and you're blowing your horn we've seen that improve so we've seen more traffic go through signals now because people are not don't have their heads down in their phones that's good yeah well do you want to get into dunwoody or you want to kind of talk about i'd like well, to hear a little bit about green transportation i know that's not necessarily what we're talking about with the highways but um half the people at the meeting last night were upset that we weren't putting our money into trains yeah. So, uh, Light so rail, transit kind of transit is very important as Metro Atlanta continues to grow. Uh, last year, there was legislation that moved forward with this something called the Atlanta Transportation Link uh, Authority, basically uh, ATL, which was looking at transit on a regional basis. I, I get to serve on that uh, board and uh, very excited about that because we have to think about transit in all forms of transportation other than just the car and the truck uh, in metropolitan Atlanta as we yeah, continue to grow. And, talking together. And it's very much, yeah, we very much a team effort. Uh, I serve on the MARTA board as well, so I certainly, uh, you know, know how critical transit is for the region. And, you know, sort of in this neck of the woods as we're actually doing some innovative things along the State Route 400 project that is going on, that is going to, is in development now uh, that we have some public meetings coming up. And I, I guess as we think about this area, uh, in particular, there's really three major efforts going on by GDOT right now is the 285-400 project that you see out there every day, the construction that's going on. Uh, that's one project. Obviously, it's under construction. The next one that comes online, though, is the 400 express lane project that goes from really about the North Springs Marta Station all the way up right into the tip of Forsyth County up to McFarland Road. And that's building express lanes in the median of 400. And very importantly to that is it has a transit, uh, very much important transit connotation that we're actually in that project are going to build areas that you can put future bus rapid transit stations in the middle of 400 uh, to think of, just think of it as uh, basically the MARTA train running on rubber tires. And so you're going to have these stations locations up 400 that you can take a basically interface with a heavy rail station at Marta, at Marta North Springs, hop on a, a high capacity uh, bus, if you will. Don't think about it as a coach, you know, motor coach like we think about it. Think of it looking like a train, and you can stop up the corridor at 400. And so we're integrating that into our project, our highway project to build express lanes now to be prepared for transit. So there's a green conversation. Well, what about trains? Well. Fixed rail is very expensive, you know, very expensive when it comes to building heavy rail. Much cheaper to run and operate a high-capacity transit service like, like I'm talking about in the existing express lanes, which are traveling at speed limit or faster yeah. uh, because they're managed. And uh, we've seen now great success up in Cobb and Cherokee County with those express lanes where people are saving 30 to 45 minutes 
But the best, the best outcome of that is the transit user, the people that are riding the Cobb County Transit or the Greta Express buses. They pay the one fare, doesn't matter what the rate is in the express lanes, and they've got a fast, reliable, guaranteed trip every day. That's a real win. The buses just keep cruising. Is, That's so correct. is the 400 one going to be reversible? No, uh, 400. Like uh, 400 of what all your listeners know is that it's heavy both ways, so there will be two lanes north and two lanes south. Okay. I really like the Where? 75 one, though. Yeah. How, how will the 400 one be different than the 75 one? Yeah, so good <clears throat> good question is the uh, 400 is – two lanes in the middle north and south and not a lot of that's elevated what you see up in Cobb and Cherokee County again to minimize the right-of-way or the additional property you need we try to go aerial and squeeze things together on 400 really not the opportunity to do that so we're gonna and we have some existing wider right-of-ways already so we're gonna try to utilize as much of the existing property the state owns already put two lanes in the middle and basically take the existing 400 and make it wider uh, just at grade, if you will. Now, and, that, and that's the project that we have some public meetings coming up on at the end of this month, up in, uh, starting up in Forsyth and Alpharetta and working our way all the way down uh, down the corridor. So pay attention and look for those uh, public notices and, uh, you know, come out and see what this project looks like. Uh, again, you know, what's the, you know, what's the value in that is it provides mobility alternatives. And, as, you know, as we've seen in express lanes, it's it's not the everyday user. It's people that need it when you got to get to that appointment. You got to get, you know, to pick up your kid. You know, you, you've got certain things you need to be for. It gives you options and reliability. And um, uh, I always like to say, you know, we can't build, and I think everybody gets this now, you can't build enough lanes to build your way out of congestion, and that's not the goal. Our, our goal is to manage it, you know, trying to try to build as least pavement as possible but provide mobility options. And transit is a huge component of that. Do you feel like um, apps like Waze are helping out kind of the hive mind algorithms of getting people where they should go? I'll tell you, Waze, Google, all the uh, all the traffic apps now are uh, really changing commuting patterns, you know, good and bad, right? And I think the technology continues to grow that we'll see more and more improvement uh, about how you how you surf and circumnavigate where you're going on a daily basis. Uh, we start, we actually have partnerships with Google and uh, Waze on sharing data uh, of our traffic cameras and uh, data sensors and knowing how what speeds are, which feeds in those algorithms. And so uh, it's the technology continues to expand like we've never seen, and it, it only is going to help, in my opinion, and uh, because you can you can get much more efficient trips. Now the bad, as we know, is you know all of a sudden you may get routed through neighborhoods, and you know that's not where you want traffic going. Uh, uh, for instance, when the Interstate 85 bridge fire happens and the collapse, you know, back in 2017, was how, how was, was your day going up until that point? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was. was up until that point was a pretty good day. Uh, after that, it was uh, pretty crazy for six weeks. But, uh, you know, we saw in that instance that the algorithms couldn't respond fast enough. And then uh, you had some crowdsourcing going on, too, of people showing, hey, these my, my neighborhood street's closed, and you got enough people doing that. So things were a little haywire. So we had to work with, with Google and Waze and, you know, to try to figure out how do you not route people where they shouldn't be going. And I, and it was crazy. I mean, it was really a crazy time. Yeah, I don't think Waze has a button that says section of road collapsed. <laughs> 
No, there wasn't. And uh, but it, it certainly turned into a surreal experience. And uh, hats off to a lot of great people to make it make it uh, well happen and get it redone. Yeah, and you were commissioner at the time. So Absolutely. Second year, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, that must. Have, I mean, it's rough. Has that ever? Have you heard of any other commissioner having to deal with just part of the major highway just gone? Yeah, I've, I've you know often say you know do presentations and whatever. And I said, have you ever had a bad day? Let me tell you what a bad day is for me when you when you see on TV a piece of interstate infrastructure collapse and you have to deal with that. And, and again, I, you know, listen, Atlanta and this this whole metro region is a resilient city. And it's just amazing to see how people came together and to, in a bad circumstance, make the best out of it. But it had it had significant impact, especially to the neighborhoods and the businesses in and around that location. You know, and we're sensitive to that. I mean, we that that was why it was an all-out effort to get it built back as fast as possible because it, you know, 240,000 vehicles per day across that section. Uh, that's a real impact. Yeah. Did, what what did you look up? Like, what was the first thing you Googled after that? Like, giant steel plates? <laughs> well, I, the reality was I Googled to see what was under the bridge. Oh. I was trying to figure out what was under why there. Why the fire was yeah, why, there? Yeah, why, 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 why was there a fire there? And I, I did what every investigative journalist did. I pulled up, uh, you know, uh, uh, Street View, uh, you know, and looked under there and said, oh, okay, I see there's a lot of plastic conduit under there. So, uh, and which, again, we sort of figured out, you know, didn't know why it started, didn't know what had caused it, uh, but knew what was under there and what we were dealing with. You know, that would have been a great night for Bird to just drop a bunch of scooters in town, you know. Yeah, that was Maybe before that was before uh, the scooter phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. What do you think? Good timing for him, though. What do you think of the final mile, the, or last mile, what do they call it? Yeah, last mile. I, I think... Uh, scoot- and Dunwoody particular. Well, I think, uh, you know, scooters and, and emerging technology play a really important role in that last mile connectivity. And I can I can tell you that we're, we're working with... Uh, autonomous shuttle manufacturer now having conversation and dialogue with them of how how can you get those last mile or last few blocks and you know when the weather's like it is today sort of pouring down rain or in the summer when it's you know 100 degrees and humidity is 100 percent we gotta we gotta solve that and that that really provides a lot of mobility options for everybody especially the the people that are underserved and need transportation options that don't have to have a car but if you can if you can if you can get that connectivity to a transit line or heavy rail line or even to a you know maybe makes it a little more convenient to some work center job center uh, it's really important and I'm, I'm telling you I, I tell everybody it's the wild west of technology and transportation and there's so many people working on so many things it's going to be fascinating uh, but I always uh, go back to a great slide I have uh, or a picture from 1905 of downtown Atlanta. In that picture, there's mules, there's horse and buggies, there's bicycles, there's trolleys, there's um, in a, these uh, motor carriages, horse, horseless motor carriages, like one or two. But you've got all these things going going on together, and I bet those people back in 1905 was like, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to do with these cars? You yeah. know, these things that are out here that are totally a disruptor." All over the place. They're, they're, yeah, they're becoming to be all over the place. So we, you know, I think we've been through this before. It's just different, new emerging technology, and it's it's quite exciting because safety is number one. Again, is if we can have more connected autonomous vehicles that reduces fatalities and crashes, uh, that keeps people moving in a safe way that's that's first and foremost and again it provides options for people that hadn't had options before and that's that's really critical do you have anything to do with the autonomous vehicle at uh, the doorbell assembly plant 
or is that all private? I believe that is private. That private. that is uh, the same. That's supposed to be the first one, right? There. Well, there's several uh, folks that have a. Uh, they several folks have some uh, RFPs out in Brookhaven, uh, the Assembly, City of Atlanta. Uh, we're all having conversations in and around those that those uh, technologies and and the vendors. So. You know, the technology is here. It's just up to us to begin to embrace it, and the technology continue to get better. Well, cars are kind of the horses in that analogy now. I mean, we've got to kind of make way for the autonomous vehicles, you know, sort of like wearing your safety belt, you know. At some point, that wasn't required. But could you foresee a day where we just say, all right, everyone has got to just get on board with this? Well, I think I, I don't know that that will be regulated, but I think, again, uh, technology will drive us that way. And I, personally, I think we're still a long ways off before we buy a car without a steering wheel in, in mass. Some people will be early adopters, but uh, some won't, uh, you know. But what will happen is the levels of autonomy will continue to happen very quickly, just like now with cars with blind stop, blind spot mirrors, adaptive cruise control, uh, you know, avoidance warnings, lane keeping systems, you know, your steering wheel vibrates so that, and, and that, that just is, becomes an evolution into what we buy as consumers and vehicles and that technology is getting cheaper and cheaper and better and better. And I think what we'll find ourselves is, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, we'll have a car with steering wheel and pedals, but we probably don't use it very much, but it's there for, it becomes a comfort factor. The car my wife has now, we uh, took two trips near the out of state and uh it does have the uh, lane adaptive lane and has it where you don't get close to a car in front of you right and it yeah so it has the adaptive lane and you don't when you get too close to a car in front of you it slows down and as the driver on a long trip it really made it feel a lot safer because i knew the steering wheel would shake if i'm moving out of lanes and i knew i wasn't getting close to the car in front of me so i could see how that keeps traffic moving at a good flow we're talking about on the way here i've got the lexus where the lights come on and the side mirrors and I never thought I'd use it, but now that's all I use. I hardly look in the mirror. <laughs> and you'd so probably it just becomes be, a habit. Yeah, and you would be bad driving a car without that now because you would just assume a light's blinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I'm good. True. I didn't think about that. What What is the timeline uh, in terms of the 400 project and then moving into the 285 project? And you know, we met last week. You know, personally wondering if that was helpful. But you know, what's the plan? And, and tell me a little bit about that. Well, Representative Walensky, it certainly was a great conversation last week, and and obviously specifically, you know, you want to talk about the two two eighty five project, what we call Top End two eighty five, which, by the way, has been around for about two decades. We, we've rebranded it and repackaged it. It used to be called Revive two eighty five, and and so it's been around for a long time. Uh, and the reason that we're now sort of back, starting back and starting back up on looking at this is. A couple, a couple things. One is to be able to come up with the financing and funding to, to do a project like this, some $4 billion to try to build from basically uh, uh, south of Interstate 85 or east of Interstate 85 up to 75 in Cobb on the top end. Hugely expensive project, but we're, what we're trying to do is build a system of express lanes that express lanes connect to express lanes so that you have this mobility option and then again, from the transit point of view, you have transit utilizing these these systems that they're unimpeded and unrestricted flow, traffic flow, which gives a lot of predictability. So it's part of two, the top end 285 is part of a bigger uh, approach of a system, uh, very similar to what uh, Texas has done out in the Houston area of connecting express lanes to express lanes, and they've seen huge mobility gains. And, and in Georgia's case, we're sort of a hub and spoke, 285 being the hub. 
75, 485 are the spokes or the main spokes that radiate in and out of the city every day. And so that's that's sort of where their approach is. But, you know, again, we go back, you know, we got three major initiatives. It's 285, 400 that you see under construction today. A public-private partnership approach is how we approach that. Total project costs there to give you some scale of $796 million to basically rebuild the interchange out there now. And I think what most people don't understand, and it's very hard to convey, is that what we're doing is moving where you enter and exit 285 at 400 or 400 at 285 way further back. So as far back as almost Ashworth Dunwoody, right at Ashworth Dunwoody so on the back, east, you mean east or west, east and west along 280 along 285 over toward Roswell Road on the west side, and then as you go north on north on 400. Uh, starting south inside the perimeter and then going all the way up almost to Spalding Drive where that overpass, that bridge overpass of Spalding is. So that's, some, that's about six miles, I believe, and four miles the other direction. So we're trying to try not to make everything happen where 285 and 400 come together. And so what this does, I've always tell everybody, the 285-400 project under construction today is sort of the first puzzle piece that has to be put on the table to connect 400 express lanes, like I mentioned earlier, and the top end piece. This is the make ready work to receive the express lanes on 400 and express lanes on 285. And as I mentioned before, the express lanes project that we're going to the public with, going out to the public meetings to start getting public input and to, to show to the public, uh, those those lanes, the express lanes, don't won't begin up until you get to about the North Springs Marta station. Uh, because there's nowhere for them to empty into down at 285 at the moment. So it's like pieces of the puzzle. So we lay 285-400 down first, the 400 express lanes, and I'll, I'll give you some dates because these projects don't happen fast. They're big, they're large, and no transportation project happens anywhere fast enough for me, I assure you, and not for the public. But So we'll actually, on the 400 express lanes, uh, start uh, – with the public meetings, like I said, uh, end of this month and, and, and get underway. But we won't even put the project out to bid, if you will, to a developer until 2021, the first quarter of 2021. And then, uh, you know, our anticipated open to traffic when this thing's done is in 2024. So we're still talking a ways off to do all the things we have to do, get it built. and uh, But there's still a big process to go through. And so that one is the most imminent. Uh, beside the 285-400 that's under construction now. It's on it's on target to finish up at the end of calendar year 2020. So we've got all this year and pretty much all in next year uh, for that work to be done. And when it's done, there's you'll see an improvement on 400 and 285 just because that traffic's all not mixing together right there. And if you've ever been on the inner loop trying to go 400 north in the afternoon, you know how you come into the inside and just all grinds down to a halt. Will that project affect somebody going from Ashford, Dunwoody, onto 285 going 400 north? Uh, so that project improves, yeah, absolutely. How so if you're that? in Ashford, Dunwoody, uh, and if you're on 285, let's say this, you don't have to mix with that Ashford, Dunwoody traffic that comes down the ramp and all mixes together. And so there will be a separate uh, be a couple of bridges there where uh, Ashford Dunwoody flies over the ramp that goes to 285. And so that traffic does not have to mix together any longer. Or you can get you can just get around from Ashford Dunwoody right on to the, the frontage road, if you will, that carries you around 400. 
So wherever, you, again, you know, the, the object here is to spread out and, and to make the distance further where people enter and exit to access 400 from 285 and vice versa instead of just being at one location. Now, we've got some renderings out there on on the web. You know, you can probably just pull up, Google it, and, you know, you'll see what those look like. But there's it's sort of a mini spaghetti junction, if you will. That's probably a good stopping point. I thought the last couple of minutes were really interesting. Um, really what they're trying to do is open and spread out the uh, 285-400 intersection and get as many cars out of that little area as possible. That means taking traffic off the main highway before Ashford-Dunwoody and as early as Buford Highway. Uh, if you're going 85 south and you want to get over to 400, you never even have to get on 85. That's what they're planning. Um, that takes space, and there's not a lot of space there. So what's going to happen with the Georgetown pool? And how can Dunwoody actually benefit from all this work? GDOT actually helped Sandy Springs with their Path 400 project and helped direct their uh, multi-use path system under the highways and around the highways. That might be a great way to connect the new Georgetown Bridge with our existing Greenway that is uh, currently ending around Pernishaw. But we'll talk about that and more in episode 75 of What's Up Dunwoody podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button to get next week's show right when it comes out. Oh, 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 oh,